Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Your host, Andrew Donaldson. This is Heard Tell. Hi, welcome back to Heard Tell. This is Fine Benjamin. Since we talked to him, one of our favorites, David Clement, old buddy of ours, uh, been doing podcasts with him on and off for a while. He has part of the Consumer Choice Show that is excellent. He's written all over the place, uh, up in Canada and in the States. Buddy, how you been doing? Oh, uh, it's an interesting time. It's an interesting time here in Canada, but uh, all things considered, doing pretty well. Now, you're supposed to be our quiet neighbor to the north. What happened? Yeah, yeah it's okay. So um, the abbreviated, abbreviated version, the Trudeau government announced a mandate for truckers um, that they would have to be vaccinated to enter the country. Um essentially keeping that in line with everybody else. Um, That sparked a lot of irritation. Um, A trucker freedom convoy um, somewhat organically developed of people wanting to go to Ottawa to protest. They went to Ottawa, they protested. There were a lot of people there. Um, They've locked down, or they had locked down several of the streets, basically blocking them up. Um, in what turned into what I would call like a giant block party. Um, so lots of hilarious, but depending on whose side you're on, also quite frustrating images of people setting up hot tubs and having concerts and beers and some guy had a pizza oven. Um, and then things spread and some folks decided to block um, our land borders with the US. And in response to that, which is really where we are kind of now, is the federal government has um, enacted the Emergencies Act, which allows for them to do a variety of different things, usually well beyond the scope of government. Um, And that's where we are today. That's about as quick as I could get through (laughs) what's transpired. And that's uh, just for folks listening at home. You're a bona fide Canadian. I'm an American. The American side of this has been reported very differently than the Canadian side from the research we've yes. been doing. But before we get to the block party outside and the protests, um, what's going on inside Parliament Hill? Because that's really where this story started. Uh, in fact, last time we had you on this program, we had just got done with the Canadian elections. Um, mm-hmm. We had talked about some of the changes and the shifts Trudeau uh, survive those elections, kind of mm-hmm. status quo maintained just to really dumb it down. I know there's a lot more nuance than that, but that's kind of what happened there. 
But there's been some interesting movements in the parties between the liberals and the conservatives inside mm-hmm. Parliament Hill in the weeks going up to and then starting to overlap this protest. And that's part of the story that really hasn't been talked about much. Yeah. So um, in the in the kind of midst of all this or happen, happening um, coincidentally alongside of it, the conservatives in caucus. So these are for Americans. This would be your equivalent of your congressman. Um, congressmen and women uh, voted to oust the leader of the Conservative Party by a pretty overwhelming majority. Um, that was Aaron O'Toole, so he is no longer leader of the Conservative Party. They elected or nominated a interim leader, Candace Bergen, who is from Manitoba, and um, the Conservative Party is is really dealing with how they want to approach um the freedom convoy whether or not they are in support uh, i would say loosely speaking they were in support in the early stages um some of that support has waned depending on which member of parliament you're talking to um and then on the flip side on the in the liberal party so obviously you have prime minister justin trudeau but i think the real uh news of the day is a member of parliament who is a liberal in Quebec actually held a press conference saying that he is opposed to the continuation of a lot of these COVID policies. So he broke ranks um, with the Liberal Party. And in Canadian politics, that is almost unheard of. Usually the consequence for that is you lose all your senior positions, you then lose your party status. And as soon as that, that's the political kiss of death. Um, which virtually guarantees you are no longer electable whenever the next election is. Um, so both of those things have happened inside of the time frame of all of these protests. Um, talking to David Clement, something else uh, that I don't think the American folks that are jumping on this realize when we're talking about restrictions and talking about policy in Canada, you do have the parliament system and you also have the provincial si- or the provincial system, excuse me, mm-hmm. Talk about how that affects things, because we've already been seeing some of the reports, and I don't think the American side is getting this. Some of these Mm -hmm. restrictions are on the provincial level. Uh, Some of these restrictions are from the federal government level. Uh, Trudeau does not function the same way as, for example, an American president functions. And that's a bit of nomenclature that I think we really need to fully understand this story. Yeah. So here's what's provincial. And then here is what is federal. So mask mandates are provincial. Generally speaking, there are some back and forth in Alberta where communities want to maintain mask mandates. Proof of vaccination is provincial. The distribution of vaccines is provincial. Restrictions on businesses, so capacity limits, what can open, when they have to close, all of those rules, bars, restaurants, gyms, sporting events, etc. That's all provincial. Federally, it's Border policy, so the testing or um, vaccine requirements to enter the country, um, those are federal. And for the most part, that is it. So the federal government does not, because we are more decentralized in many senses than the U.S., the federal government does not actually control much of the restrictions that Canadians have been living with for two years. Now, of course, the counterpoint to that decentralization is 
Now the Trudeau government has called for what they're calling emergency powers in the mm-hmm. Canadian system. Uh, now in America, we know how that lands with us, but what does that mean to you as a Canadian? What are those powers? How are they entailed? Uh, what all is entailed with those? Do they have windows? Uh, is it martial law? Like the cranks are actually saying what's actually going on with the emergency powers. So it's not martial law, but the emergencies act is designed for essentially a situation where no rules on the books and no laws on the books can deal with a rapidly evolving situation. So I don't think that this situation even remotely comes close to that threshold. And the Canadian Civil Liberties Association has, in my opinion, rightly pointed that out. I mean, if people are committing crimes by blocking up the border, well, I mean, those are crimes on the books. You arrest those people. Um, that is traditionally how we enforce crime or solve crime. What this allows the government to do is all sorts of things that I'm not very comfortable with, mostly because it can be done largely without a warrant. So an example would be if you're one of uh, Minister Freeland, who's our finance minister, has said that they'll be able to close the bank accounts, close the corporate accounts. Um, of those supporting the Freedom Convoy or if their trucks are involved in the Freedom Convoy. Um, And that is done without a warrant. So I do not like that um, because you, as, as in the United States, there are supposed to be safeguards built into this. Now, the Emergencies Act is supposed to be expired uh, in 30 days. Um, So I guess that would be the one positive. But in retrospect for for viewers the only the, the last time in modern in the modern era where something like this has been put forward was actually by Justin Trudeau's father Pierre Trudeau during what we call the October crisis which was when Quebec uh, separatist terrorists were putting bombs in mailboxes they were kidnapping government ministers they killed um, some of them so that was like a a serious terrorism threat. Now that was a different act. Uh, There are differences between the two, um, but this does open the door to what I would say would be a relatively uncomfortable uh, precedent, Um, especially since from my view, any crimes that are being committed are not um, unsolvable with the current means that we have. Yeah, we're talking to David Clement, our friend up in Canada, uh, even though he's our colleague with things like Big Talker Net, and he is with the Consumer Choice Center. When we come back, we're going to dig into it. Who's in the convoy? Uh, how the Trudeau government is being played? What the actual Canadian people think? Everybody's telling them what they think. We're just going to ask them directly. What a concept. More on that with David Clement on Hertel right after this. Uh, welcome back to Herd Tell, talking to our buddy up in Canada, David Clement. Really sharp guy. has been on the program before. All right, let's just dig into it here because the trucking side of it and the truck protest folks have been getting a lot of very positive social media and media attention, especially on the right side of the spectrum down here in the States. Is the States and what we're seeing in America an accurate representation of going on with these protests? Because... I don't know that we have the layers of it. We see freedom, we see flags, we see protests. 
are we getting the yeah. accurate information here in the states of what's going on in the ground in Canada? No, um, not really. And I would say that most commentators, predominantly on the right, have gotten it wrong. But that doesn't mean that this protest is wildly unpopular. Um, and so I actually have some of the, the figures. They're about a week old. Um, so they may have changed a little bit. Some going up, some going down. Um, so about 54% of Canadians feel that it's, the t it's time to end pandemic restrictions. 43% viewed the initial protest in Ottawa as respectful and appropriate, and 32% of Canadians felt like they had a lot in common with the protesters. So it's uh, a bit of a mixed bag in regards to where Canadians stand, um, but where, in my view, American commentators have got it wrong is their endorsement of or their failure to distinguish between the border blockades and what happened in Ottawa. So the border blockades are very problematic. So most, most Americans, most Canadians do not know that 1.2 billion with a B dollars a day of trade crosses the land border every day between Canada and the United States. It's in my opinion, the greatest trading relationship in the world in, in regards to the disruption. So it is strange to see law and order conservatives cheer that part of the of the protest on because that has a very serious impact on the food that is on Canadian shelves, the goods that we order, and, and I mean virtually anything we have crossing the border from the United States. And so I would say that that is kind of the biggest blind spot right now. You touched on it earlier. Um, the part that makes the nuance on this so hard is the uh, Trudeau government isn't exactly covering itself in glory here, especially civil liberty wise. You already touched on the fact that they are doing the uh, asset stuff where they're going through bank accounts. There's accusations that mm -hmm. they're going through social media to find out information on people. Uh, this is troubling stuff, uh, irregardless of whether it was attached to a protest or not. Mm -hmm. What are the laws in Canada? Because your free speech laws are a little bit different. Your system is a little bit different. But I got to think that even people that don't maybe support the protest see that and go, no, 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 wait a minute. That's way too far. And this is a really bad precedent. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure. And that bothers me a lot that I can't answer that and say that there are a lot of Canadians who would be upset with some of the, what I view as over instances of overreach. And to me, this is just a product of all levels of government, federal, provincial, and local in Ottawa, for example, really just failing to enforce the law. I mean, what happens, like an example, I mean, what happens if you leave your car in the, the main street of your town for five days? You're going to go back and it's going to be towed. And the fact that they didn't get on that early enough or initiate that process early enough where they made it to be such a hassle because then there were more vehicles. It just really is like the, the calamity of errors overlapping on top of each other. But I, again, I don't know. I don't know how concerned ordinary Canadians are about these instances of, of potential overreach. They should be. And I always say, and this is very similar to what I would say to Democrats in the United States, whenever you want a policy implemented that's drastic and extraordinary, 
you should have to say, I want Donald Trump to have that power. I want Tom Cotton to have the power to freeze bank accounts without a warrant, to shut down business licenses without a warrant. When you say it that way, it becomes a lot more uncomfortable. And this is what I say to my liberal colleagues here in Canada is, well, I mean, imagine if former conservative prime minister Stephen Harper was enacting these extraordinary measures when indigenous communities were protesting the building of a pipeline or and and it really in many of the similar tactics it wasn't a block party um, but they were blocking roads and stopping trucks and creating human barricades and preventing goods from moving over certain certain uh, points and so uh, rightfully so canadians or especially liberal Canadians would have been outraged if that had ever been the case. But they seem to have that giant blind spot where it's like, well, if it's my team doing it and I agree, well, then maybe it's okay this time. But every time you give the government an inch, you have to remember that your opposition will then have that inch to take. Yep. And we're talking to David Clement, host of Consumer Choice Radio and of the Consumer Choice Center. Great program with him and our buddy, Yala Lasowski. Make sure you check that out. The other accusation that has come out of this is, and I touched on it when I covered the story to start with, is when I see a big movement like this, the first thing I do is I kind of try to turn down the noise. I look at leadership and I look at the money because that usually gets me to the truth pretty close. The Mm -hmm. accusation is, is that uh, yeah, the protesters in the streets, the truckers, but there are untowards un- individuals, especially folks in Canada's right and far right that uh, are known to be problematic, are either co-oping or along for the ride, or some people have even accused them of being behind these protests. How much of that do you think is true? How much of that is getting through the media? Is that an actual concern in Canada? I know the government's saying it, but of course they've got an agenda as well. Uh, help us get through the noise on some of that. Yeah, I mean, I would rank that as mostly not true, only because we're talking about a movement that really didn't have much leadership. And yes, some very problematic people kind of tied themselves onto that. But if you had read the news clippings three, four days in advance in Canadian media, you would have thought that this was our January 6th. Obviously, it was not. Um, That doesn't mean we should downplay some of the crazy or racist or bigoted people whom were taking part in this um, and displaying their bigotry for the world to see. That's a problem. Um, But I would say by and large, most of the protesters, whether they're committing crimes by blocking streets or borders, are not not sinister. They're wrong, but they're not like sinister bigots or racists or anything along those lines. And I think that most of the the story on that was was misguided. It was almost as if that was the impression decided upon in advance, and then we sought out examples of that to reconfirm our pre-existing bias. And the same goes for the people who support the the protesters, regardless of the problematic aspects. They decided that the protest was good, and they just kind of put the horse blinders on in regards to some of those problematic people. So it, there's a lot more nuance there than than we would be led to believe. Yeah, there almost always is. Uh, David Clement bringing us that nuance. All right, let's come back to where we started. Uh, that's outside of Parliament in Ottawa in the streets. In Parliament Hill, though, uh, where does this leave us with Justin Trudeau? He's pulled out this emergency measure. He obviously feels like they need to get control of the situation. At the same time, 
a lot of the mandates and things that they are protesting against that kicked all this off look like they're going to kind of, I hate to say fix themselves, but that's kind of what it looks like here in the next few yep. weeks. A lot of that's just going to go away on its own. Where are we at with Justin Trudeau's leadership? Because he he's out here pulling out the big stick now for something that's probably going to take care of itself at its end. You still have the demonstrations in the streets. The border looks mm-hmm. like they're taking care of that. What's next for this big hot mess we got? Yeah, I mean, it's a good question because many of the provinces have already announced or started the process of repealing a lot of those restrictions, like capacity limits. In many provinces, as early as March 1st will be the end of proof of vaccination for restaurants and gyms and sporting events and all of that. So we are gradually opening up. What what does this mean for Justin Trudeau? I don't know. I think given the fact that those things are opening up, it, it maybe adds another question mark as to why emergency measures are needed. You would think that as those things are, are repealed and relaxed, that some of the frustration will ease. And so, yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, the, the world will really be watching him. And and we've seen this internationally. There was an outlet in, in India where they called him the white knight of global democracy because he was very quick to comment on the protests in India and the importance of peaceful protesting. Now he may invoke extraordinary measures. We don't know what exactly that'll look like. And so it really will depend on how far this goes and how it's escalated and really the question of, is any extraordinary measure going to make the situation worse? I, I relate it to the protests in, in Washington, D.C. when Trump rolled out, I, I, I could have been the National Guard or the Capitol Police or whoever it was to essentially clear a road, maybe with or maybe not with tear gas, so he could take that silly picture with the Bible in front of the church. And it's like, that... That did not help the situation. And so what Trudeau does next will either, maybe it will solve the problem because they'll be able to nip this in the bud and it'll be done with, or maybe it will make it worse and and the protesters become more steadfast and more willing to take whatever consequences may come. Talking to David Clement, uh, last question to kind of round this back off. When we last spoke, like we said, uh, there's not going to be an election or anything like that because y'all just had one. Obviously, the conservatives, you, you've started out with it. They have changed leadership now. They obviously uh-huh. see this as a cudgel to go after Trudeau, no matter what they think of the actual protest. Uh, opportunity is an opportunity, and he doesn't look great here. Long term, next year or so, next 18 months or so, where do Canadian politics go from here after this? Or is there going to be much of an effect at all? Well, I mean, the, the Conservative Party is at a bit of a tipping point. Um, the the front runner to take over for Aaron O'Toole is a man named Pierre Polyev, who I would say is without without as much of the, the silly things, very much like a Ron DeSantis, where people will maybe appreciate his to the point. He doesn't necessarily sound like a politician all the time. He's willing to defend even uncom- his uncomfortable positions. Uh, and do so passionately. Whom the kind of centrist candidate to run against Pierre will be, we don't know. Uh, And then how that shakes out in a leadership race. There's a lot of runway between here and there. And so it really depends. I I think we could see a situation where the, the Conservative Party takes a shift to the right fiscally, um, to the right rhetorically. Um, It wouldn't be to the right socially, because our system doesn't 
operate that way. It would almost you could not get elected um, federally on a, a socially conservative uh, platform in this country. So I don't think that would happen. Um, but we may have a very different political landscape going into the next election, whenever that is, where I, I originally said that Trudeau would not stay on to run in that election, but I think that he will um, now. And it will be very interesting to see Justin Trudeau against someone like Pierre Polyev, whom a lot of people, a lot of working class people, like it would be very much the equivalent of without the ugliness of how Trump's approach appealed to Rust Belt voters, people who had voted Democrat their entire life, who appreciated someone who was willing to call it as it is. Although I don't share that view of Trump, that was certainly how he was perceived. Um, so it'll, it'll be interesting, but a lot can happen between now and then. And technically, our government is a minority government, which means all it would take is one vote of confidence um, to go the other way, and we have another election. So. Interesting times and our neighbors to the north, David Clement, thank you for coming and giving us a few minutes of your time to kind of square away some of all this stuff. Let folks know where they can find you on social media. Consumer Choice Center does excellent work. I've got to join you and Yael a time or two. Let folks know where they can find what you're doing. Yeah, uh, consumerchoicecenter.org, at Clement Liberty on Twitter. Um, That's where you will see all of our our work, everything I write uh, in both Canada and the U.S. And you can even catch him on some YouTube clips doing some network TV in a suit and tie because he's big time now. David <laughs> yes, Clement, yeah, looking friend. very formal. Yeah, not the uh, Toronto Blue Jays hat you're wearing today to throw a little shade no. at Ottawa since you knew we were going to be talking about them because you are a Toronto sports fan. We saw what you did there, sir. It is noted. <laughs> uh, we'll get you in the rotation because I think Canada is going to be in the news for a while yet. Uh, thank you for the time, buddy. Appreciate you. Thank you. Appreciate it.